0: Alright, let's talk about the Bible. Sounds like a better idea. I'm going to start in Matthew, and then we're going to go through all of the Gospels, but just one verse. Here we go. Matthew three eleven. It says this. Jesus is uh, alluding, this is speaking with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, said John the Baptist. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Here's Mark chapter one. In Mark chapter one, it says, "John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Somebody say gross. Oh, that's kind of like a diet these days, I feel like. Anyways, locusts and wild honey, uh, and this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Luke. In Luke, it says, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. While we're at it, let's go to the book of John. And John, it says, then John, the Baptist, gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with what? The Holy Spirit. And finally, in the book of Acts, Jesus, on one occasion, while he was eating with his disciples, gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but, is that a cuss word to anybody else? Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, and here it is again, for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What is up with the redundancy of this verse? It's a great question. Let's pray. Jesus, show us, please. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. You can find your seats. Tell them, get ready. We all have that strange uncle. You know who I'm talking about. Y'all Y'all know. We've all got him. We love him. But if you're bringing friends around, you're trying to make sure they don't meet that guy. Like, we've all got that family reunions, family get-togethers, ta- graduations. Like, we've all got that. Uncle. Maybe for you, it's not an uncle. Maybe it's an aunt. They, they, they say things that are inappropriate. They, they 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 put things in weird places. They show up to your wedding in an ancient shepherd's costume. Anybody else? That's just my family. Okay, cool. That's a true story. But maybe it's not an uncle. Maybe it's an aunt. Maybe it's a cousin. But we all have that weird uncle, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, let me take this spiritual for a moment because... We did not plan this, but Zach sort of alluded to it. I think in our modernity and our approach to Christianity, most of us are okay with God the Father, right? We even like to get into the Hebrew, Abba. We feel so spiritual. Well, most of us are okay with God the Son. His name is Jesus, and, and, and he's my homeboy, right? But when it comes to God the Holy Spirit... Well, that's kind of another story. He has functionally become, I would argue, like the awkward uncle of the Trinity in our modern context and vernacular. And yet he's God. See, this is a problem because when God shows up, I need you to understand, when God shows up in your real life, in this real world, when God shows up in modern times, he is not showing up as the father because he's up there and he's not showing up as a son because guess what? He's up there too. Guess who he's showing up as? The Spirit. Is it possible that we're longing for more of a move of God for the very person of the Trinity that we've boxed out in our elevated thinking of modernity? God the Spirit. I was stunned this week reading over and over and over again Matthew. Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, the same thing. It's one of the only things repeated in all of the gospels and certainly all the way into the trajectory of Acts. For John, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why does that happen? If you've been tracking with Greenhouse for any period of time, you know that one of the realities of Scripture is that when something is referenced twice, it's a big deal. But if something is explicitly copied and pasted into other books, this is God by his Spirit saying, pay attention. What does it tell you about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts? Why so much emphasis in Scripture? We know it's because it's a big deal to God. But why so much controversy on earth? I don't know if there's a more hotly debated topic in all of Christendom and all across the denominational landscape, especially in our American, North American context, Guyana, maybe it's the same there than the Holy Spirit. Why so much emphasis in scripture? Why so much controversy on earth? And I would argue it's for the same reason. Because it's a really big deal. All of heaven is clamoring that we pay attention and all of hell is fighting that we stay distracted and divided when it comes to God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, we just read it, they've got this incredible mission. He said, you've got this big mission. He said, but wait, because you're not ready for the mission until you've been baptized in the Spirit. Why so much confusion about the Holy Spirit? I would argue it's because the devil is smart, and especially in our modern context, because we like control. I I want us on the same page here at the very beginning as we begin to talk about God, the Holy Spirit, about the Spirit of God and God's Spirit, because one of the things I love about Greenhouse is we come from different backgrounds. We come from different cultural backgrounds. We come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, and many of us come from different religious frameworks, backgrounds, or denominational backgrounds. And and there's a whole subset, especially in the United States, of Christendom that, that trends along the lines of what is called cessationism, which basically says, yeah, at one point, God, by the Holy Spirit, uh, moved and worked and did miracles and signs and wonders and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that whole deal, but he doesn't do that stuff anymore. This is one of the chief texts for it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. From this text, entire denominations have been formed along the framework that they say, well, well, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it already happened. You already got it. It's done. There's no additional things happening. And And I want to... Get here up front because I don't want you checking out if you grew up in a denominational framework where they said, hey, the Holy Spirit stuff, it was kind of like we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, right? Some of us experience that side of things. I I want us leaning into the scriptures for what I feel the scripture is saying quite clearly. You, You don't actually need to get into, we've done a whole series through the book of Acts and over and over and over again in the book of Acts, you see followers of Jesus being introduced to a secondary experience equally by grace through faith. It's not about works, but it's a secondary experience of power and immersion in the Holy Spirit. But you actually don't even need to go to Acts. You can just look at this verse right here. What this verse makes clear is that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into christ baptizes us into the body of christ when if or when if you're a follower of jesus here online over in guyana you would be correct to say that you have the spirit this is what paul says later he uses the phrase you are sealed with the spirit it's the guarantee that you belong to him so yes that is accurate but i think we need to pay attention to what the text actually says And I believe that these verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, this message is repeated over and over again for abundant focus and clarity because it is so important. The Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 12 and Paulian theology, echoed throughout the epistles, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ when we're saved. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts make clear that Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit when we're filled John baptized with water, but there's one that comes after me whose sandals I am not worthy to tie. He, who, Jesus, will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. And what I'm praying that we would do is for just a moment, whether we came from a, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible. We don't talk about the awkward uncle. Maybe we just give him a token little like, yeah, and Holy Spirit, we don't know what that means. Do your thing. Or if we come from the flip side of that coin and we grew up in a Charismania background where it was like, check your brain and Bible at the door, let the juice loose, yabba dabba do it all over the place. Freak my friends out. I'm never inviting them here, right? I'm asking whichever side of the religious spectrum and paradigm you came from that we would look for a moment at our Rabbi Jesus, and that we would not allow our experience or lack of experience to trump the authority of our rabbi in his call to us as ordinary people trying to become passionate followers of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord, this is such a big deal that I am asking that by your spirit you could, would convince us in our hearts of our need for the power infilling of your spirit. Convince and convict our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Because we're Bible people, it is our dream, desire, longing that we would follow the scriptures and that we would follow Jesus and be spirit people as well. So I wanna take us on a two-part journey and culminate our time doing exactly what we read about. The first thing is this, Jesus said that we have to wait, turn to your neighbor and say, you got to wait. Point number one is this, wait for the promise. Anybody here like waiting? Like anybody here enjoy that? No, because y'all are sane, right? Rochelle, God bless you. We love you. You're way more godly than everybody, and we're so proud of you. All right, but the rest of us mere mortals, okay, we do not enjoy waiting. This week, we had the illustrious privilege at Greenhouse Church in our office space in Tamarack to be waiting on running water. It's glorious. There was a snafu with our property management company, and as one bay was being emptied, they turned off the water to our bay. And so it was a day, and then we called and said, Hey, you turned off our water. And they're like, Oh, sorry about that. And then they turned on the wrong water. And so we were still without water. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm sitting there like self talk. I'm like, man, we're here greenhouse, our heart is missions, right? So I'm like, some of our heroes in the faith, missions partners, they have limited access or no access to sometimes to running water. So I'm like, suck it up, John. We can be missionaries. Like, they're not complaining. They're going for the gospel. And then I walk over to like the pizza place in the complex to use the bathroom. And I'm like, this is annoying. And then it's cold. And then you're shivering doing it. And I'm like, man. And, and we're sitting there and we're waiting. And the property management company and the city and then finally you get to flush the first toilet and I've never worshipped like that during a toilet flush in my entire life but I was like Lord you're good <laughs> thank God for running water you don't know what you have and you can't really appreciate it until you don't have it every toilet flush I've been worshipping for the last five days now I'm like man this is great what a genius invention running water is but waiting's hard for being more honest it's horrible And it's deeply and significantly anti-cultural. We want what we want with high caliber excellence and immediacy. It has become our modern expectation. And yet Jesus said, I need you to hear it. It's not John. This is rabbi. This is teacher. This is Lord. This is Jesus. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, Acts 1-4, but, but Wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. I want to highlight for us our propensity as modern individuals here, over there in Guyana, our propensity to go before we have waited. How many of y'all actually read the instructions when you got to put something together? Right, we don't want to do it. We just want to go. Some of you, I do, because I'm a nerd. But right, but in every facet of life, our our default setting is to move, is to go, is to get going. We don't sit there when the light turns green and we look around I'm like, has everyone actually decided that they would be a sit? Now we will go. Right, we race off the line. We default to go. Some of you are like, I feel attacked right now. Okay, I'm sorry. Our default inclination is to go. Check this. In our own power, skill. Might, intelligence, intellect, competence. But Jesus said, wait. Wait for the promise. He says, wait for the promise. Why, Jesus, did you say wait for the promise? Well, the good news is he actually told us why. Jesus said, wait for the promise because you are not ready for the mission until you have been baptized with the Spirit. This is the core premise, not of John, of Jesus. He gives them this incredible mission, and he says, but wait, why? Because you're not ready for the mission until you're baptized with the Spirit. Says who? Says Jesus. I, I know we all like, like, you can do it, encourager, cheerleader Jesus. Like, I know we like, especially in our cultural framework, like, empowerment. Like, everything you have is within you. Everything you need, you've already got. Jesus said, actually, you don't. This is what he said in Matthew 28. Jesus says, he says, I want you to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. He gives them this big mission. It's incredible. It's amazing. He says, but, but first you got to wait. Jesus says, you are not, just to be clear, disciples, hearts catch on fire. You meet Jesus. You're like, let's go change the world. He says, ah, not yet. First, you need to rate. You still need this. Let me give you a modern metaphor. Maybe this will help it hit home. Imagine, let's just say theoretically, per chance, that gas prices were skyrocketing. Just imagine, like if that wouldn't that be crazy? Just imagine, gas prices were skyrocketing, and so you decided, bump it. I'm done with fossil fuels. I'm going electric. Boogie woogie woogie woogie. Dad jokes. I can't escape them. And uh, and so you decided that you were going to get a Tesla, and so you got your car, and you waited in the production timeline, and it finally arrives, and you're so excited that when you pick it up, they're like, hey, listen, we, we just put like a starter charge in there, so you need to go home and charge it before you drive, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so you get in the car, and you're like, man, I've been waiting, it's time to go visit some friends, I've been stuck, out. man, gas, is, it's time for a road trip, and you just hopped on the road and went imagine right some of you're like oh that's not gonna turn imagine if you were like yeah yeah i know the manufacturer said yeah yeah, i know the dealership said yeah yeah i know but this is my i've got it now i've got everything i need and you just took off and went how would that turn out for you stranded right one word stranded now you could get frustrated And you could fault, man. Tesla needs to build better quality vehicles. This is American made. What are they they coming up with here? You could fault the dealer and say, man, how how could they give me a car that's just going to run out of power? How could you could fault all of those different participants? But the reality would be that if you did not stop to wait and charge your vehicle, the fault is not on the manufacturer and the fault is not on the dealer. The fault lies in your lack of waiting. To be able to obtain the full potency and power that your vehicle was designed to operate under. Are you tracking with me? I wonder, just hypothesis. I wonder... If we find ourselves so tired, so frustrated, so bored, so disenfranchised with Christianity and Christendom because we're sitting around pushing each other around in our Teslas when they were intended to be powered and charged and then driven fast. Is it possible that our frustration is not on the manufacturer? But in in our lack of following through on his destruction, instruction and design. The real problem is our lack of waiting. Now, you could keep on that same track theologically and say, well, Pastor John, I believe that I got everything I need when I got saved. Like, when I received the vehicle from the factory, I believe that I got everything that I need. And I would agree. Just like if you got a Tesla, you got everything you need when that car was delivered to run with full potency and power, but you still need to plug it in and charge it. This is the call of God's spirit. This is the call of Jesus. Jesus said, disciples, you've got a mission. Like, I I need you to hear if you're online, if you're in the room, you have an incredible destiny. There are gifts that God wants to give you. There is purpose. There are all of the amazing things that our culture likes to tout. It's all true. God has made you uniquely. There are special things God wants to do. There's a contribution to this world that God wants to use you to make. All of these things are true. And yet Jesus said, you're not ready until you first wait. For the promise disciples of Jesus here in the room online I am praying that we would be people that listen to Jesus and wait before we go that we get baptized immersed and filled with the Holy Spirit before we launch out point number one is this wait for the promise everybody say wait wait for the promise and then number two go in the power of the promise it's not just a waiting game and oftentimes we we go off the rails on either one of these two sides of the tension he says wait for the promise and sometimes if we're being honest we just like sitting there in the waiting because to zach's point it's scary to step out and go he says wait for the power and then go in the power of the promise matthew 28 i I referenced it earlier jesus says all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me therefore what go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now, if you remember about these disciples, these disciples back in ancient times are just like these disciples here in modern times. They were very ordinary people. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were, they were, they were agrarian. They were doing ordinary type things, and yet they had this incredible life-changing mission, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And then Jesus... He answers it in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive, what does it say? Power. You will receive power. He tells them to wait for the promise of the Father. And then when it happens, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, I need you to know there is a big mission in store for your life. And there is a call and there is destiny and there are gifts that God wants to unlock and there is an adventure that God has designed you for. You are not here by accident. You are not here by happenstance. You are here with divine purpose and destiny. Gifts and good works in advance that God has prepared for you to walk in and you're supposed to go. My prayer is that you would hear the words of Jesus and only go in the power of his promise. The power of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 says it like this. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, or that, that word can be translated spiritual things. It's like the things of the Spirit. Now concerning the things of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. By the way, this would be a great few chapters to, to dig into over the course of this time of prayer and fasting, leading up to our culminating night of worship on Friday night right here at Western High School. Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Then he goes on to unpack. He starts with, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, about the things of the Spirit. And then he goes on and does teaching for three chapters. I would love for us, for homework this week, you could write it down right now. You're like, oh my gosh, Pastor John, you're giving me homework. Yes, I am, for your soul this week read corinthians 12 13 and 14 and invite god to speak to you to read to learn to like the bible says not be ignorant about the things of the spirit it's one of the unique experiences of my life i got a chance to work for a charity foundation and spent time all over the world and and I would regularly interact with believers in different cultures and contexts who I knew denominationally. I'm, I'm a I'm from a Jewish background. I went to a Presbyterian high school. I had Catholic nuns help raise me. Like I've been all across the spiritual spectrum. So I'm like a spiritual mutt. You're like is all that true? It is. And so I would interact, so I knew something about different denominations, and so I would interact with denominations overseas on the mission field that I knew here in the U.S., like, uh, don't vibe with the Holy Spirit stuff, like, they're, they're like, uh, awkward uncle, we don't go there, and they're, they're over there, yabba dabba doing casting out demons, speaking in tongues, I'm like, y'all don't believe this, they're like, well, when we got over here, and there was so much need, we kind of just got to this point where we're like, God, anything you have for me, I need it, like, <laughs> I'll take anything, They're like, so we started reading the Bible. We're like, okay, we'll take that, God. I was like, so what do you do when you go home? Like, we just don't talk about it at home when we support raise. I'm like, what a bummer. What a bummer. What I'm asking is, can it not take absolute dire desperation of the mission field, which by the way, we live in right now, to say, God, anything and everything you have for me, I need it and I want it. Amen. At least my mom said, yeah. The Holy Spirit is real. And he's moving. Like, I I love Zach sharing that story just from this week because it's it's true, maybe you have a story from this week. The Holy Spirit did not stop and, and walk into a closet to be muted back in ancient times. He is very much alive, real, and moving today. And he wants to give boldness, and he wants to give power, and he wants to give supernatural insight and spiritual gifts, and Paul exhorts us in scripture to not be ignorant, but to wait and ask this has been a personal passion point and journey for myself over the past year as as i've watched the the effects the the shallow fruit i would say of what we've done in america as christian churches and pastors wear off during the pandemic and and i've kind of gotten to a point where i'm like god i, I want to experience this like i want book of acts i want power of god i want what paul said when i came to you and i didn't Preach with persuasive words of human wisdom, but a demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith wouldn't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm like, Lord, I want that. So I'm just trying to carve out time to do this, to follow Jesus, wait for the Spirit, and then go in the power of the Spirit. I'm I'm living this. I'm not just a proponent. I'm also a practitioner. Whatever those salespeople say. And so this week, I'm dropping off my daughter to school, drop off Lucy to school, and I'm like, you know turn on some worship music, get the Mav City in the background. I'm like, I'm just going to take an extra minute to just, to just sit. So I'm just there. All right, Lord, I'm here. I want to follow you. I, I'm just available. I'm, I'm not the best. I'm not the brightest. I'm the smartest. God knows I'm not the most good looking, but I'm here. I'm willing. I'm available. Use me. And all of a sudden, somebody popped into my head. And I've shared with you guys before, I I used to think this was like my mind randomly, you know, like wandering because you've watched that happen in real time on stage. And so, but I've realized that if you actually surrender yourself to God and his purposes, like maybe he's real and he'll answer. So I called the guy up. Hey man, I'm just, just thinking about you. Just, uh, I don't know, I feel like maybe God put you on my heart. Just wanted to see how you're doing. And very quickly it was clear that was a God thing. Like, he's like, oh man, well, I'm just driving, and, and I've got, and he had this big meeting coming up, and I'm just driving to this big meeting, and so we just got into a conversation, and so we're talking, and, and he's like, yeah, man, and sharing how he's been feeling about his job, and, and, discouragement in that moment about his team and different things like that. And and we're just talking, and I'm like, man, this is cool. And so I'm getting to encourage him, and I'm like, hey, man, God is is clearly thinking about you. You're on his mind. You just randomly popped into my head when I started praying. So And so I got to pray with him, encourage him. We're about to hang up the phone, he goes, oh, my gosh. I said, what? He said, I just got a text from a guy. Can I read it to you? I'm like, "Uh, sure, yeah. And the text is like verbatim our conversation. Hey, I just need, I don't know why, I don't know why this came into my mind, but I feel like I needed to encourage you. And like point by point through what this guy was articulating to me, he was feeling discouraged and frustrated about. I need you to know that you're an awesome leader. This is going so great. Everyone on the team sees it. We've all been talking about it, but I don't think anyone's ever told you. So I need you to know that you're doing a great job. Da, 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 da. And I was like, wow. And this, this dude, my buddy on the phone is just undone. And I realized something there were two individuals spanning across cities and states who happened to be calling and texting in the Holy Spirit. And it really got me thinking. Like, I I love the way Zach articulated that story because Zach just keeps it real, man. I love it. You heard it in Zach's story. I'll tell you in this story. it, It felt very natural and unassuming in the moment. Like, it did, I didn't start levitating in my car as I thought of this person. Like, I, like nothing, none of that. It wasn't like fire. I didn't get goosebumps. Like, I just thought of a person while I was praying. And, and it got me wondering how many times God was wanting to work, God was wanting to move, heaven was wanting to come to earth. But because it seemed just so natural, so normal, so unassuming, we just kind of let it pass by or dismissed it as, ah, man, that's just me. What if we actually, let's just say pretended this week that everything we believe is real? And what if we just in moments of prayer and and impressions that happen, if it was like generally biblical, wasn't like punch your boss in the face, that's probably not God, okay? But if it was like generally biblical and lined up with scripture and was given in the spirit of love to encourage, build up, edify, what if we just went for it and gave it a shot? Worst case scenario, we look stupid. We do a good enough job of that on our own, right? Can I get an amen to that one? Like we're we're gonna do that regardless, might as well do it for a good motivation, which is love and God's glory. Like what if we just started stepping out and saying, God, I believe you, Holy Spirit, I need you, I'm waiting on your power. I'm waiting on your provision. I'm waiting on your leadership. And then I'm going to go in the power of the promise. Now, I realize you might be listening right now and saying, John, I've had experiences like that before, and I believe you. And I've never been baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. I've never had that experience. I actually come from a tradition where theologically we're not quite sure what we think about that. So, John, I I, I don't know what to do with it. And if I'm being even more honest with you, I think the Holy Spirit stuff is kind of spooky. And it weirds me out. And so, aren't I just, like, fine with where I'm at? And I thought a lot about that because I'm, I'm guessing at least there's some of us in that boat. Here's what I would say. The more filled you are with the Spirit the more aware you are of the spirit. I think a lot of us have had moments with the spirit where you had a real supernatural experience. You're like, oh my, like, think back to that moment. Wasn't that incredible? Like, do you have a story like Zach's? Do you have a story like what I just shared where it was clear that was God, that was divine. Wasn't that amazing? What if that could happen more? What if that could happen all the time? I'm telling you, the more filled with God's spirit you are, the more aware of God's spirit you are, which means the more you're going to be cognizant, sensitive, listening in, leaning in, filled with boldness and power to actually step out and obey. Wait for the promise and then go in the power of the promise. I came across a story this week of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a famous preacher. You've probably heard of him. He... He was used by God in significant ways, and he tells the story of when he was leading his church, it was kind of at the heyday, things were moving, God was moving, and these two old ladies came up to him, and they're like, Pastor, we're praying for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're praying for God's power to fill you, because God is calling you to greater things that you could ever do with your natural gifts and talents, and and in D.L. Moody's own words, he, he told these ladies, man, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really honored. Um, I believe theologically that I received everything from Jesus I need when I get saved. And so I'm good. Appreciate it. Thanks for the prayers. God bless. And he sent them on their way. He said it wasn't too much long, too much longer, when he encountered a personal ministry crisis, and in the midst of desperation, he calls these two, true story, he calls these two old ladies back up, and he says, hey, actually, kind of changed my mind. I need whatever God's got for me. I can't do this anymore. Could you come and pray for me? And they prayed for him. He said, nothing happened. (laughs) He said, but a few days later, he was walking down the street, and all of a sudden, he got hit by the spirit of God in a way that he's like, I can't even put it into words. I got so powerfully encountered by God. I had to walk off the road, go to a buddy's house, sat there for hours, just being moved by God's spirit. And it was a turning point of his entire ministry. He went, his next trip was to London. And he said, ever since that moment, my ministry was marked and never the same. We're here on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend as we remember how God used a man, an ordinary man like you and I, as a passionate follower of Jesus, to make sweeping movements for God in the midst of his life, and, and as I read the story of Martin Luther King Jr., I came across this, and in 1955, Nikki Gumbel writes, King was arrested on a petty speeding charge in his hometown of Montgomery, Alabama where he was organizing a boycott to end segregation on city buses. After continued harassment by the local police force and even death threats, King was pushed into utter despair. He began to pray, and he heard a voice telling him to call on the power, quote, that can make a way out of no way. As the Holy Spirit filled him with courage and purpose, King says this, my uncertainty disappeared, and I was ready to face anything. I think we look at people who have been used in incredible ways for God and imagine they were of a different substance than we are. When the reality is they are not of a different substance, they are filled with a different potency the power of God's Spirit. Whether you're looking at Martin Luther King Jr. or you're looking at these disciples in acts, Jesus says there's an amazing mission. There's righteousness and justice. There's the the freedom of captives and prisoners. There's declaring hope to the hopeless. There's this amazing calling and destiny, but you're not ready yet. You need to wait for the promise of the Father, and then you will receive power. Here's my application point. I actually have two of them this week. My first one is this. If you are not yet 100% sure that you've been filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, where you and all those around you know it, which, by the way, is what we see in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, you're like, how do I know? I think I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure. In the book of Acts, different things happen at different times. Here's the principle that always happened. They knew, and everybody around them knew it. There was a marked shift and difference. If that has not happened to you yet, great news. Today's the day. You can humble yourself like D.L. Moody and say, you know what, I I need more, I need everything God has for me. I need more help than I have currently. I wanna be used in ways that are not just my personality or natural abilities. Humble yourself like D.L. Moody and ask. We'll carve out the, we're carving out this entire end of the service to just create a, a holy space, a safe space between you, God, and the people of God to ask God to fill you or fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit. If you've already been baptized, if you've already been filled, here's the call, keep getting filled. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul uses this metaphor. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This word is pleiroo in the original language. It 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 means be continually filled with the Spirit. If you've ever in your past life been drunk before, you're probably not drunk right now, right? Because we don't believe in once drunk, always drunk. Right? (laughs) Yeah, same analogy Paul uses. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which gets you inebriated and then you get out of it. Instead, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You were meant to be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled and filled over again. Well, I was filled in 1945. Well, your gas tank is pretty empty. It's time to get refilled. What would 1945 make you? I don't even know. Anyways, might be with Jesus at that point. Anyways, be filled with the Holy Spirit, continually and consistently. By the way, the purpose is not to be impressive. The purpose is love. Did someone just track how old that would be? I see the numbers, guys, over there. The accountants are like, they're not even listening to what I'm saying. That's fine. My fault. Purpose is not to be impressive. The purpose is love. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, Pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. This is the Bible, y'all. This is not like some Holy, Holy Spirit Charismania handbook. This is the Bible. This is Paul. Pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. New Testament prophecy is not, thus saith the Lord, if you will marry me, right? That's weird. New Testament prophecy, especially because I'm married and I love my wife. You're cool, but I love my wife more. But New Testament prophecy is words of comfort, encouragement, and love. That's it. Paul says, pursue love. How? eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. What if we became the type of people that just regularly stopped, paused, and waited and asked the question, Holy Spirit, what are you up to right now? I love Zach's story. He's like, I just went to a place. I had been there before. There wasn't anything magical about it. What was different? His intentionality in the moment to say, God, I'm here and I'm listening. Lead me. What if we just became those type of people? And then... When God puts a person, or a thought, or an idea in your mind, you go in the power of his spirit? What if we showed up to our microchurches this week, this month, in the power of the Holy Spirit, asking God for words of prophecy? What if we showed up to our jobs in the power of the spirit, asking God for words of strengthening, comfort, and encouragement? What if we showed up to class completely filled with the Holy Spirit? You're like, i probably do better in class. Maybe, but God's kingdom also might come right there in the middle of your university. What if we became the type of people that said, God, we want everything you have for us, so we wait and we ask. This is who I want to be. Like, I, I, I cannot express how thoroughly done I am with predictable, natural church life just doing it on my own strength and abilities. I'm 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 like, Lord, I want to see your kingdom. I want to see your power. Like all these promises that are in your word, I want that. You promised that. I want to to see a demonstration of the spirit and power. I want to see things that happen. We've watched what we can do when we get our best little concert together and our, our most articulate TED talk. It moves people's hearts but doesn't change their destinies and eternities. If we want eternity shifted, we need help from what? Eternity, which means we need God's spirit. I'm like, Lord, that's what I want. That's what I long for, to step into spaces and I'm not just going off of my personality and EQ and emotional intelligence and intuition because I don't have that much of it. I want your spirit. I don't want to just go off of, well, this person texted me last week and I know they're going through this, so chances are that they're probably going through that, so let me think about it in I got, That's fine. God, I want your spirit. I want to be a disciple, y'all, that says, Jesus, I hear you. I'm gonna, you've given me a mission, but I'm going to wait for the promise of the Father and get endued with power from on high and then go to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that's commanded you. I want on earth as it is in heaven, I want signs and wonders, I want the power of the Holy Spirit, I want things to happen right here at Western High School and all throughout South Florida and Palm Beach County, Miami-Dade County, Broward County, where it is so clear, it is not a person, it is not an individual, it is not a church, it is God working that only God gets the glory. And I hope, yeah, yeah. And I know some of you do too. So here's my question, and we're going we're gonna to carve out some space right now in response. What about you? That's my heart. That's my desire. That, that is my true passion and ambition. I'm, I'm going after this. I shared a story not because I'm some hero. I'm just John, but I mean it. I want to do this. I want to live this. I want to experience this. Are you tired of natural? Are you tired of predictable? Are you tired of simply religious rhythms and routines? Great news. Stop pushing the Tesla around and plug it in. Wait for the promise of the Father and then be filled with the Holy Spirit.